This is Irish Illustrated Insider with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester. The middle of three podcasts this week, Wednesday, April 10th. We had an opportunity to see practice Tuesday morning. And I, Pete, I want to get your opinion first. We've been, O'Malley and I have been, uh, everybody everybody knows what, what our opinions have been. And we'll, exp- we'll share a few more, but... I know that you wrote about it uh, back in back in town, seeing Tuesday's practice. Just some of your thoughts and takeaways from Tuesday. I thought Ian Book looked really good. Um, you know, he he did some of the stuff that I think fans maybe will get a little tired of last year with like the checkdowns um, as almost like a felt like sometimes the second option opposed to the fourth option. But I also thought he. Pushed the ball vertically really well, and I, and I thought you saw some of the the really good stuff or progress he's made. Where I think there was a couple to Claypool that went deep. There's one which was outstanding, the Claypool that went deep. Um, but I also think that you know the short stuff is a strength of his. He should play to that. Um, but I think stretching the field horizontally is really one of the things he does best. And it's it's not even like he makes you defend all what, 55 yards of the field. I think he makes you defend like an extra yard out of bounds. Um, Cause some of the passes he threw to Michael Young come to mind yesterday where Young is catching the ball over the ball is out of bounds, but he's getting a foot in, but his accuracy books accuracy is that good that he can force you to play those sort of back that's shoulder a, I think fades that's a great or perspective. drag or crossing routes. Um, so I liked Ian Book. I, I thought he looked better than the, the Ian Book that we saw last year um, on Tuesday. And I think that, you know, from a big picture perspective, I think offensively this could be or should be the best offense of the Brian Kelly era in terms of the points yeah. they're going to score because they have so many options. Um, the flip side, I think linebacker is a bit of a mess. Um I mean, you look at the top six linebackers of the two deep we saw yesterday. Only two of them are playing the same position that they played last year. Three of them are on their third position this calendar year. And the two the two that are, are back at their same position is Jack Lamb, who took a basically a medical redshirt, and Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo, who played in one and a half games and had a broken foot. So I think linebacker, in, in some ways... Like, logically, they're closer to a solution than they were in the spring practice, but it sure as hell doesn't feel that way based on the, the amount of shuffling and the buttons Clark Lee seems to be trying to push. I would agree with the, the concern. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it outweighs the, the high point total, and I would agree with you because this offensive line, we've been saying it for six months, should be, and we believe will be better than last year's oh, offensive yeah. line. I thought they, I mean, I, I we could not have kind of hammered home a less popular point than the Joe Moore semifinalist did not deserve to be Joe Moore semifinalist last year, and it was a carryover from the year before, probably. Um, the the two years ago when I said this will be the highest scoring offense, and until one fated ill fated day in Miami they were going to be. This offense is so much more versatile than that one. I agree with you that they should hit that thirty nine point range, forty point range. I think forty points yeah. is like within the realm of possibility. They'll play a couple games where that brings your. Stats down, you know. What I mean, mean? That's, they'll put yeah. seventy-seven on Bowling Green. <laughs> that's true. You can put as much as you want. On <laughs> that's as much. As, that's a first half uh, where you might make the statement if you're Chip Long and Brian Kelly without rubbing it in completely, where it's fifty-six in the first half. And you're like, I guess it'll be cool here and not look terrible. But that's like, uh, 
They, no, they're going to score. You're saying that's going to offset the 20 to 22 game at Georgia, or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on the offense. I, I keep being more impressed with the offense, and that is coming from someone that does not put a lot of stock into spring ball. I, they have so many options in the offense right now, and I believe the offensive line will be good at worst. Good at worst would be my way of looking yeah, at offense. Yeah, you know, I think. I mean, as it relates to book, I, I think we're seeing that. You know, Brian Kelly talked about it Saturday about just getting a little bit more air under the football and, and letting your receiver run under it, and especially when you have a guy like Claypool. I think that's an interesting comment about defending more than the actual width of the field, and I, and I think that that's true. As it relates to the linebackers, I guess I wouldn't – I guess I, I was more in the mess stage two weeks ago, and now we've seen Jack Lamb play against the pass. We've seen Owusu Koromoa run around and look pretty good at that position. Bilal has kind of settled into the Mike linebacker spot. I get what you're saying in terms of the rotations and the, and the lack of experience at the various spots, but we've, I mean, we've seen them at those spots now for for a handful of practices, and I mean, I think that they probably feel like okay, things are settling in a little bit, at least with those three frontline guys, and then we also saw Paul Mawala, who was more of the um, pass defender guy in base defense against the pass. They weren't working nickel the other day. Here, I guess the whole the linebacker situation reminds me a little bit, and like this is not the perfect parallel, but Jordan Jim Markeith last spring didn't move to linebacker until like basically midway. About halfway, yep, yep. I feel like they're doing that with all the linebackers right now, and then it, it just it guarantees that you're going to have to improve during the season. Because guys are still figuring out what the heck they're supposed to be yeah. doing, and if that happens, it just makes the season that much harder. Um, they're they're not. I thought that maybe they would have linebacker figured out when fall camp started, or maybe like a week in or a week or two weeks in. I think they're still going to be figuring linebacker out when the season starts. Um, and the top three, or just if you can rely on the got, top three, yeah, I'm just the figure, okay. How? What can everybody do? Are we going to have to like pare down the scheme because you know we, the linebackers are still figuring out. Like when I watched Jack Lamb yesterday, I've never seen Clark Lee light up a player in practice before, and that was as close as he he gets. That that was the equivalent of Chip Long just going off yeah. on somebody, which he Clark does on Lee's, a regular basis. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like that was Clark Lee's version of it, yeah. saying like basically. How many times am, are we going to have to miss that running back coming out of the backfield yeah. to Jack Lamb? So it's they're they're going to have ups, they're going to have downs, but I think and I think they're going to have ups and downs in August, and I think they're going to have ups and downs in September, October, and maybe even November. I think I, I mean I I get the impression that that was that was unusual. First of all, yeah. I, I but I get the impression that Jack Lamb knows where he needs to be. He didn't on that play, and I'm sure that he hadn't on other ones, which prompted Lee yeah. to, to react the way that that he did, but. You know, Asmar Bilal is going to be your Mike linebacker. You don't have other choices there. It's not going to be Jonathan Jones. It's not going to be Bo Bauer. They don't They don't trust either one of those, or so it appears. So he's going to be your starting Mike. I think it's either going to be Jack Lamb's spot full-time or it's going to be Jim Markeith and Lamb at that spot. And I think they've clearly settled on their, their two, two rovers. rovers. Mike's so, my thing is I don't know if 
they'll have real trust in those guys. Well, they those pro- guys no, they win. No, like they, well, someone's going to win the job. Like no matter what, you're you're. I'm sure they. That. I'm sure when they go to Georgia in Game Three, there's not going to be a whole lot of trust about you know, regardless what happened in the first two games of the year. This will. This is how I might feel about some of those guys. In it was a 2014. It had to be. We asked Brian Kelly about his other starting corner because Russell was out with a with a suspension. It already happened. The mm. uh, the suspensions yeah. already happened. And it was Devin Butler, and he was very confident in Devin Butler. And all of us in that room were not Weren't. very confident in Devin <laughs> Butler. Are we going to be thinking when he says when he says, "Yeah, our three guys are going to be bump, bump, bump"? Are we like, oh. like, are you going to be confident in two of the three, or are you just? I mean, you're going to have to just wait. And it see depends for a who we're. It, dep- it. it yeah. depends who we're talking yeah. about. I mean, I'm, if he I'm, says it's, I'm not going to be confident in any of the three because, like, they haven't done it. None of these guys have actually yeah. done yeah. it in a game. Yeah. Um, but I think that will probably be okay at Louisville. It certainly will be okay against New Mexico. But it's sure as hell not going to be okay no, it won't be. at Georgia. Um, that it just no. But how, how is it going to be any different? I mean, how how could spring have evolved where it would be different if you kept everybody at the same position? You need they'd be better. I, not necessarily. No, I mean you have to. Uh, I would say if Simon was great, like everybody's like, well, he's the rover. I'm a, that I think is a, really one of the biggest surprises in a negative way of spring to me is that that Shane Simon hasn't latched on at any of the that, positions. That's any position is what matters, I think. Not necessarily the rover, because I will say, and if you go back at all, whenever we rate these guys, we all like Shane Simon. I actually had a Wusu Koromoa it's a first class higher in his class than I had Simon in his class. So it's not like I didn't think the guy could be a rover. Now, that class was not as good as Shane Simon's class. Yeah. I mean, you're behind. I had... Okay, Kevin Austin first, so so far we're not there yet. But I like Owusu Koromoa Rover, but the worst thing for me is that Simon isn't one of them. Like, if you just thought, you know, he's not what we thought at Rover, but man, I bet he's going to be really good at Buck. And you put him at Buck, and you're like, yeah, that was what we wanted right there. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen either. Or, or if... Or Mike, or, whatever. Yeah, or yeah. Mike. If, if he had... If, he had, if Bilal was playing Buck. Buck, and Simon was playing Mike number ones, then you'd say, okay... You know, that, that worked out fine. Yeah, you but, still wouldn't know, but you'd think, yeah, Shane Simon is a starting middle yeah. linebacker for Notre Dame yeah. in his second year. Yeah, I mean, I think, I I mean, your point's taken, Pete. I, I get it. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I just, I don't know that, I mean, spring practice, you kind of have to, you you have to use in two ways. You want It's a feeling out process because you're trying to give everybody a clean slate. But then, but you want some answers as spring is ending so that you can go into the offseason with some knowledge of exactly how you're going to approach it come August. I don't know if they have answers as much as leading theories. Well, I would I would agree yeah. with that. I mean, I, I but I don't know how it would have been. I'm no, not think, sure it would have been any. I, I'm not sure how it could have been any different. Yeah, you gotta have with Coney and with Coney and Tranquil. Yeah. And that's, well, and they do. I think they do. That's what I'm saying. I think they have two rovers, two bucks, and one mic. And one mic. That that okay. Those those are five that we can. We can work with not not that not that I mean Bauer and Jonathan Jones can't they're eliminated. They're not going to beat out Asmarble all the fifty. But they're not. Yeah, they're not. Go, they're not going that's to. Definitely not happening. They're not going to. To put a mildly positive spin on this uh, downward note of linebackers, I will say Clark Lee's first spring. Talked to him in August, and he said I asked him about Coney. I think only, but he said Tavon Coney showed me absolutely because he just you would just see the picture of Tavon Coney. Jacked up for the first time. Remember that? You're, yeah. What oh, yeah. in the world? You don't think of Coney that way at that time <laughs> at all. You did it at all. And I was like, what about Coney? He's like, you know, I left spring not thinking a single, I didn't think I had a single thing Man, that's in amazing. Tavon Coney or Asmar Bilal. Now, Coney broke out and was arguably the defensive MVP in mm-hmm. 2017. Bilal has not hit that level. But 
Bilal's probably, but Bilal became a player. Sure. For them. Um, so that, you know, that would probably be the Deshaun Kaiser yeah. look look of it. It's, that it's rare to do that. I don't think these three guys are going to be, I don't think one of them is going to be the MVP of the defense. But you could see a much better Shane Simon or a much better Osu Kormar or Jordan Jenmar Keith in mid-August than right now. Last thought on what you saw on Tuesday of this segment. Uh, I mean, I wrote about Tommy Tremble and I, because you guys, I think, had noted, hey, he's been really impressive and damn right. He's really, um, yeah, like, that's he's a, impressive. That's a really good-looking uh, sort of situational football player for Notre Dame this year. Um, I think some other... The backup safety thing would be is is pretty close to linebacker uh, in terms of concerns right now. Yes, um, it would to be me, a, that, yeah, to me, that's safeties. It would be ahead yeah. linebacker. <laughs> I don't, I, 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 do not have a read on what their offensive line depth is at all. Um, but it's very difficult for me to watch that from the balcony when yeah. there's like yeah. thirty two yeah. guys. Yeah, running well, I mean, it's so it's so young. The, side, the backup group's so young. It's something that I'd like to see on Saturday. Um, I think it's lug. To interject there, I think um, Kelly's kind of noted he's probably the first guard, and now he might be the first center. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I thought Phil Jakovic was a little bit all over the place. Um, I I keep saying that look, it is okay that Jakovic looks inconsistent um, in his first spring practice, and I think that's still I will continue to feel that way basically for another year. If if what I we saw on Tuesday from Jakovic is what he was showing a year from now in spring ball, I would be a lot more concerned. Um, but he he's got a lot of room for improvement. I think it's going to be a, a pretty but big off season. What for him. what constitutes inconsistent? Because for me, if he's inconsistent in reading coverages, that's understandable. If he's inconsistent with the way the, the way the ball comes out of his hand and the way the ball arrives at the receiver, you got to be kidding me. I mean that that those kind of things for a four-star quarterback coming out of high school, those kind of things need to be in the past, and yeah, they're not. I'm I'm very interested to like dig into that part of his story because when when do you think the last time Phil Jakovic struggled with something athletically was ever? <laughs> like probably is never. This, is this like the I, first time this is happening I'm, for him? Maybe I'm, ever. I'm sure. yeah, absolutely. Last, last well, year, you don't. It doesn't when matter. you're when you're a kid like that. Yeah, you're, you're great Every, when you're everything eight. Everything is easy. You're just yeah. slinging it all over the place, and now you're thinking about it, and you get in your own head a little bit. And by the way, it's it's all over Twitter and every message board. I think that would just be a weird reality to deal with. That would take some time to be like, no doubt. All right, I need to actually block this out. <laughs> And move forward, not worry about my throwing motion all the time. Because I, I would think all that stuff is connected, right? Yes. If you're thinking about, okay, I need to keep my elbow here, oh, my arm that's... here, my stride there. And, oh, crap, I just threw it to a Logie Gilman. Um, that, w- that would just be sort of a weird reality I mean, to you deal can't, with. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to be way more concerned about throwing it to Logie Gilman than your mechanics when you're in a practice situation. Right. You've got You just got to let it go. And, I mean, I, presumably... You know, he spent all of January and February working on those kind of things in addition to other things. Yeah. But, I, but I, man, there's just, there. you know, I mean, how many times we have, there's just way too much late movement on, on the ball. And that just, at this level, at this stage, that, to me, that's not inconsistency. That's just a flaw. I really would like to see him on Saturday, you know, is, you know, get in the stadium, you cut it loose a little bit, you stop thinking a little bit. Um, but yeah, clear, clearly, I, I, you watch Jerkovic and you feel like, okay, maybe he's a little bit into his own head. 
I, I completely agree he's into his own head. I think they will uh, also allow him to throw about six deep posts on Saturday Great. to make everything look good. Right, so if you don't marks, if you don't hit it, it's a deep yeah. ball, you didn't hit it. He but can hit it too. His, but it's his best throw. He, he, throws, it, he throws it really nicely, he, actually. Yes, it's he, not just that yeah. people are open. He drops the ball into the bucket. There's no doubt it's, about it. It's a strange, it's disparate. From, yeah. from, it really is. It's nothing like the ball comes out on his shorter throws. Nope. Yeah, no doubt. All right, segment one, we'll be back with a bunch of questions. Segment two. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from N.D. Gunner. For the 2019 season only, and I will interject, that's all I care about when I'm talking about Notre Dame football from now on, who would you rather have lining up as the starting nickel? Freshman year, pre-injury Sean Crawford, this year Sean Crawford, or a Kyle Hamilton that the coaches are quote-unquote high on in August? Well, I don't, I mean, what I'm hearing is that I mean, Hamilton's going to play safety, and, and they're not – I wouldn't say that there's no chance he's the, the nickel, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, nor is he going to play corner as somebody else threw out there. And I get it. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a rare talent, and I get it, but I think he's just going to play safety. So, it, for me, then, it comes down to the, the pre-injury Sean Crawford or the current Sean Crawford, and I'll take the pre-injury Sean Crawford all the time because I thought after his – Certainly, after his second injury, and I, I you know, give me—I don't even know what the order of the injuries are anymore. It was ACL, Achilles, ACL. Okay, there we go. With yeah, the I did know. Okay, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did know that. But I—I uh, I would say Sean Crawford pre-first injury because I thought after the second one, he he no longer had that burst and that change of direction. John Crawford won the nickel job as a true freshman in Matthias Farley's terms. He beat me out in less than a week. As a returning nickel, and Farley ended up having a good year at nickel. And he's still playing football and for still, money. And is still playing football for money, partly at that position. Yeah. So they recruited Sean Crawford to come in and start as a true freshman nickel, and it was going to work, and it was going to work on a really good Notre Dame team, and that was the first of many dominoes to fall to keep them out of the playoffs. I would say healthy Crawford, Hamilton, recovering Crawford. Yeah. Because, look, you, you, we can all say Kyle Hamilton was recruited to come and play at safety and play in safety, but... In the previous segment, we talked about how Shane Simon is on his third position in three months. Oh, no, I mean, certainly it can happen. I'm saying their intentions right now are not for him to play nickel. They would like Avery Davis to win it. However, you know, your point's taken because, <laughs> you know, if Avery Davis, you know, Avery Davis is still, I mean, by the time uh, Kyle Hamilton gets here, Kyle Hamilton is still going to be a more experienced at his position yeah. than Avery Davis. The way I feel about Sean Crawford in the nickel this year, if he could be healthy, just like he can perform healthy and, and play. 12 games. I wonder if he could be a nickel that is like the real passing situation nickel where it is third and 11 and third and 13. There's no threat of a, it's not third and six. There's no threat of the run to your side for a first down. It's third and 11 and Sean Crawford knows every route, knows how to undercut every route and can just be an effective corner from that spot. And then, you know, you're almost sharing the nickel. He's like a situational football player where he, I would like to have Sean Crawford 
at third and goal from the 12-yard line being my nickel no, rather I than agree. Avery Davis. It's just no, I, I agree. he just knows everything about it. And, it, it, you know, if Sean Crawford can can physically be back to where he was, then then he'll get the job. But I don't – you know, I'm not sure anybody is counting on that. I'm not sure Sean Crawford's counting on that. I mean, when you consider the accumulation of, of injuries. Matty Hebb's 14. Who are the top five players currently on Notre Dame's roster who have the highest NFL upside? And we're going to answer this – based upon those who who might be playing their final year or actually are playing their final year in Notre Dame, because we can sit here and talk about I was Kevin. Put Kyle Hobson. I mean, we can. <laughs> yeah, let's just. Oh, okay. No, now, no, actually, yeah. yeah, Kyle. Well, well, current well, roster. Yeah. He's not. He's not there yet. <laughs> I mean, Kyle Hamilton might be a guy that you step out and say, "Okay, that's a." But I, and we can answer both ways if you guys want. But I first want to answer it. <laughs> Based upon guys that are or may be in the in the draft in the spring of twenty twenty, uh, Aquara one, I would put Claypool two, Commit three, Pride four, Kareem five. I think I have Kareem higher. I have Aquara one. Um, I think I have Kareem two. I think he's a versatile defensive end that can do a lot of things to the next level if he stays healthy. Um, and I put that in there because he's his ankles, you know, he, he tore up both ankles last year. So you, you don't want to, if you keep doing that, it adds up. Uh, Komet and Claypool's just commit because of the position he'll be, if he's a good tight end at Notre Dame, he's going to go to the NFL and, and be a tight end of the NFL. They all are literally since Dave Casper, there have only been two starters that have not played in the NFL. So Komet would have to be number three, right? <laughs> that that throws that out there. Claypool's I almost forgot about Claypool. He's a great call. Claypool is a freak of nature that will play special teams as long as he wants to try and hard and play special teams. And he should play receiver too. Um Pride, I, I've got Pride, Pride's a good call. Pride's a Yeah, I mean I, I don't great. I don't I don't know what order. Aquar is a great pass rusher. Kareem's a combo guy. Yeah. It depends upon what you want as an NFL team. I think Pride I love his work ethic. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's going to go to the combine and impress a hell out of people. He's going to run. He's going to run extremely well. He's a he's a uh, an accomplished runner of forty yard dashes. <laughs> so he's going to be really good at that. The only guy I'd throw in if we're going to if we're going to throw Komet's name in there as a junior, and I agree, would be Aaron Banks. I, I think Aaron Banks is a guy that's going to play in the NFL. He get, if he. If he wants to and is dedicated enough to play in the NFL, he will play in the NFL. Those would be my six. As far as order, you know, I'm not sure, but I don't know. Now, as far as any of the younger guys, is in in addition to Kyle Hamilton? I want to bring this up because exactly one year ago, we all would say the younger guy is Kevin Austin. No, I think we, I, Phil Dracovic was I would have been Kevin an Austin. answer on a podcast of like who might be yeah. a number one overall pick on the roster. I would say, I, I just thought Kevin Austin was going to walk in and, and be... The not the statistical version of Michael Floyd, but when you're watching the games, you're like, "Oh boy, that guy is just going to be so good." And so that was one year ago today, for sure. Um, now I would not say that because there's been so many. He's, he's got to get everything straight to, mm-hmm. to be a starting player at Notre Dame. Well, I mean, think of the guys that we just listed. How many of them did anything before their junior year? None of them, right? Uh, no, Claypool was just in your mind. You loved him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the helmet glistening down the field. Oh, it was spectacular. <laughs> yeah, but no, Aquara and Kareem were basically guys that should have redshirted. Right? I think Pride was Pride trending, is, that, trending in that direction. He was a freshman starter on a horrible team. That's right. He was the best yeah. player as a freshman. Yeah. He, yeah, but it, it was like <laughs> yeah. a default best player. <laughs> exactly kind of true. It's exactly true. Uh, yeah, so. Well, my point on there is Austin is a sophomore. Right. You know, so he's 
he could still do everything that you think he can do. Definitely it just could. It's just his yet. start has not been great. At O'Malley's Muse, and I, I don't, I didn't get a chance. Did I say this the other day? It is accompanied with <laughs> a picture of Brian Van Gorder. It's very well done. So it's, it's very, it's very well done. <laughs> yes. Predict who goes higher in the NFL draft between each grouping. The first grouping is Chase Claypool versus Kevin Austin. Claypool. Yeah, Claypool now. That's not even... Right, Claypool. Uh, second one, Liam Eikenberg versus Robert Hainsey. Eikenberg. Me too, but I think Hainsey will have a better two next two years. Yeah, Eikenberg fits the dimensions. Yeah. That's yes, that's yeah. where he has the advantage. Hainsey's more advanced as a performer, but I think on the next level, the him playing tackle is going to be very difficult. Uh, number three, Julian Okwara versus Dalen Hayes versus Khaled Kareem. Okwara. Okwara. Who's number two? Kareem. 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 I agree. Uh, number four, Troy Pride versus Alohi Gilman. Pride. Yeah, yeah. going in the draft, Pride. I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't. i not discounting Gilman's NFL possibilities at all, but yeah, in, I mean, the, pr- in the draft, it's Pride. Pride yeah. f- fits the dimensions yeah. and fits everything better. And then finally, Chris Fink versus Jafar Armstrong, which is a... It's an interesting comparison because Armstrong hasn't developed yet, and Fink is is there. Plus, running backs don't go that high, but neither will a small receiver like Fink. So I'll say Armstrong. Yeah, I think yeah. Armstrong. I yeah. mean, Armstrong. Who is your remind everyone? Pro size, pro right. size one in the third round. That's, that's yeah. the way we look at it. Yeah, okay. we're in agreement on all these. Uh, next question: Voodoo Child Five has Jafar Armstrong shown big playability during spring practices? Yeah, sure. I mean, he's. It, it's not like. Breathtaking or anything like that, but it's not set up to be really. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't it, look no. like. It doesn't look like Dexter Williams, but I still contend that Jafar Armstrong A is going to be a very good college running back, and yes. B is going to run away. He's going to run away from people. He's going to run people over sometimes as well. I, you know, one of our O'Malley Samson prop bets yes. will be Jafar Armstrong total yards from scrimmage, and I think we're both like, I want the over. No, I want the over. <laughs> yeah, I want the over. That's so, the problem. Well, okay, prop well then I'm setting all, then I'm setting the over under, <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be high. Yeah. yeah, normally it's because one of us likes the guy, another one doesn't for the upcoming season. Yeah, this like, is just gonna I like him more. No, I like him it's more. It's not an auction. You're supposed to try yeah. to just make a prop bet, but yeah, yeah we, we really love, like him. You know, I love. We've talked about this before, though. I mean, I love Armstrong's approach to the game the same way I love Troy Pride's approach to the game. And he based that upon how they approach practice. And they're both extremely hard workers. Chase Claypool has become that kind of guy, too, yes, he going has. head-to-head with Troy Pride. The thing with Armstrong is he's always been that way. Um, I did a feature on him this week, and like I didn't really get into this part of it, but like talking to, like, Carter Putz is on the Northern Baseball team, high school teammate. He was the quarterback at Miege. Um Armstrong was, like, a badass in practice all the time. Like, wanted to win every sprint. And there was a receiver on the team that's now at Kansas State. So it's not like he was the only guy yeah. who was good. Um, just worked his butt off all the time. Um, you know, was involved in wrestling as a middle school kid and just said like that was when I learned what it was like to like be the only one out there and just either you're going to get your ass kicked or you're going to kick somebody else's ass uh and Armstrong is he's one of those guys that the coaches absolutely love Kelly marveled at him last August for being the guy that just keeps coming back you don't you don't have to motivate him to he he is so self-motivated you don't have to by the way Carter Putz has a lot to do with Nordame's Good start in baseball, seven and eight in the freshman in ACC leading play. the team in hitting. I yeah, believe, right? bat, batting, uh, batting at the top of the batting order. So uh, there's some <laughs> some quality college athletes being produced by that high school. 
Uh, at bman underscore 2017, bigger concerns starting boundary corner or starting interior linebackers? Linebackers because they have running and passing plays to defend, and the corners usually are just dealing with the pass. Uh, it's two to one, so I take linebackers. Uh, you know, Houston Griffith is, has been not had the camp I thought he would have. Um, he was put on the boundary in part because his ability to play the run rather than the smaller guys they have that would be doing it. Like Tariq Bracey just isn't big enough to play the boundary. It's a learning curve at corner because as Pete pointed out when I said in January, I think they'll move Houston Griffith to corner. He did try corner last year. Now they had more good corners. Was The reason I thought they should move him is Kyle Hamilton's coming in to back up your safeties and you don't have any corners whatsoever. Right. Right. It has not worked out as well as I thought it might, especially in his first couple practices. I am concerned... I'm not minimizing the question because I am very concerned about boundary corner when they get down to Athens and play good teams. Yeah, I, they're both a concern. Yeah, <laughs> the, there's three good concerns right there. Yeah, <laughs> they're 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 both a concern. It's not one or the other. It's both. Uh, at way to go, K man. To me, the single most troubling issue right now is starting cornerback opposite Troy Pride. Curious as to your take on Notre Dame's. Biggest current issue? Did I just repeat a question eh, that was basically, basically the we, same? Uh, is there anything? It. Is there anything else that? I mean, here's the problem. Name your favorite starting corner in the junior junior class. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. This is why. <laughs> yeah, this when, is when there. you miss yeah, there's entirely too big of a gap. This is what happens three years down the road. You've also lost one of your seniors. You lost two of your seniors. That should be Julian Love should be a senior, and Dante Vaughn is an injured player. Mm-hmm. So you have one senior. Your graduate player, who had planned to be a graduate player ever since his first injury, because he's undersized, is also an injured player. Your freshman of the three, one has moved to safety. One is not in the mix at Notre Dame yet, outside of the third team. Tariq Brayson, we all like, right? I do. But he's the only guy that's a sophomore that's viable for this role. They just... The miss of the junior class, Pete, is the greatest point because what I said about senior and sophomore is always going to happen in football. Your great player goes pro, your other one gets hurt, you have one left. Your sophomores, one guy doesn't work out, one guy moves positions, you have one left. If that worked, if they were had juniors that did that, if two guys were hurt and one guy was really good, we wouldn't be having a discussion. Nope. They'd be, they'd be all set. That's, that's where this came from. You, can, you can't whiff at a position. You just... You can't. Like two I, tight I, ends, zero tight ends, two tight ends. That works okay sometimes. <laughs> you can. That's mm-hmm. going to work fine now. But that's it. That's the only one, right? It's the only position, basically. Right. You need. I mean, there are certain spots where you just need to continue to keep replenishing, replenishing yeah. every year. Tight end. I mean, that was a situation where they knew they were going to get two really good ones. And they so, had two good ones ahead of them. Right. They it could have gotten just, a tight end in the last sure. class if they yeah. wanted to. But with the two coming in. Next year it was a conscious you, decision. You can make a decision not to play a tight end in a formation. You can't make the decision not to play a cornerback. <laughs> this is true. That is a true statement. Statman72, having an unreliable kicker could influence offensive play calling once Notre Dame reaches opponent's territory. If you ask Brian Kelly whether he anticipates that being the case, do you think he would answer honestly? Is the question too negative in tone to ask? Not too negative to ask, and he would not answer honestly. <laughs> no, nor, nor should he. No. No, answer honestly. You have to give all the props to young Jonathan Dorr that you can. He was 7 of 8 in one practice, right, Tim, on Saturday? Saturday, he kicked really well. Yeah. He kicked really Keep well talking Saturday. talking about that practice if you're Brian he hit, Kelly, an up, right? he hit an upright on what I believe was an extra point. It was an extra it was point. So, yeah, it mm-hmm. was so, yeah. Well, yeah, because they were scoring touchdown and yeah. then kicking the extra point. 
and he hit upright. Now, I have to be completely honest. I don't know if the snap was bad or if the hold was bad. Yeah, we were binoculars on the extra point. I, we just, so. none well, of, you none know, of that changes the context of the question. No, it's not true. at all. Still a kick. Not at all. Actually, <laughs> Those kicks too. the reason I don't know whether the hold was bad or not was because I actually wanted to get a, a, a running count uh, of who, who was, was on there, the field, yeah. and it was in yesterday's practice report, um, just to get an idea who's out there. But uh, so I don't know if it was bad. But he did hit the left upright. And with everything that's been going right to left, that's not a real surprise. Is it too negative to ask Brian Kelly? Well, it's up to our job to ask in a way that he might so that he might consider it. answering it. Yeah. Now, I mean, if you want to ask a question, do you think you're going to start onside kicking because your guy ganks <laughs> out of bounds? With as like, bad that as that might be too negative. With as bad as your kicker has been this yeah. spring. Do you remember 2014 when kicking and snapping completely ruined the season? Is it kind of like that? Is that the way I should ask it? Is there... <laughs> <laughs> um, to put a point on this, Justin Yoon, or the Notre Dame kickers, 18 for 22 last year. Notre Dame's opponents against Notre Dame, 14 of 25. Let's hope Jonathan Doerr is better than 14 of 25. 14 of 25, by the way. I don't remember that being a case. Do you? I get a lot of questions about, like, what is it with opposing kickers in Notre Dame State? <laughs> I, I guess you have some memory of it then. Yeah, I but I, I haven't gone back and, like, charted it. But there's people insist that there's some, like... Ghost of Rockney, and uh, when it, it's the you know, ghost of special teams pass that spooks out opposing kickers. They were 0 for 3 opposing kickers inside the 20. That's impossible. <laughs> I mean, there must be one block in there I'm not recalling, right? But yeah, I don't know. Jonathan Jones, was, or what's his name? Jerron Jones was gone. He's yeah. not blocking everything. No. How do you miss all three kicks inside the 20? Future musing. <laughs> I think I just wasted it. See, yeah. that's the problem. Go ahead, Tim. <laughs> so, uh, no, we can't ask that question. No, we'll, we'll give it a shot. At DBaker317, with the recent commitment of Jordan Johnson, if Notre Dame doesn't get any more elite prospects, would you consider this a disappointing cycle? And he lists Tyree, Henning, Redding, Baker, and McGregor. Uh, yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, they are doing, I don't know how much we've emphasized this on the, the podcast, but, man, they, they're... <laughs> They're really doing a, a, a fine job lining up these guys and getting them to not only to be legitimately be interested, but to actually come to campus. Um, if I had to, if I had to choose one of those, Chris Tyree, AJ Henning, Michael Redding, Tosh Baker, Braden McGregor, I always choose the same position. I would choose Braden McGregor. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Why I, do we like Notre Dame football, 2019? Oh God! I mean, I just think I think I mean I, I think Braden McGregor is a five star talent. Um, I really do. I think Chris Tyree is a difference maker for them. Uh, I think Tosh Baker has some technique issues, but has all the talent in the world to be a great offensive tackle. And then, you know, I think there are some, you know, I don't know the Henning and Redding are necessarily in that class. Maybe Henning is. I think Tyree would be the most fun the day it would happen. And you just think to yourself, boy, that Braden McGregor hire. Or well, I was, that and that's that. why when when the news out of the weekend was that Braden McGregor, I mean, he was quoted as saying it. Kevin, I don't know if it was Kevin Sinclair, or Tom Lloyd that had it that, um, that that he was he actually considered committing to Notre Dame during the weekend. I'm like, you got to be. All you talked about during Saturday's practice was Braden McGregor. Oh my God, by. yeah. <laughs> Every time Braden McGregor walked by me, I'm like, damn, I like that kid. I think he's a five star kid. Because <laughs> the clay Did you know that I. Look at the way he got that cup of water. <laughs> did you know that I thought he was a five star yeah, kid? Yes, you did I, know I, that. I had learned No, that seriously, though. I mean, that kid's legs are from here to. 
you know, November. I'm All right, getting creepy. Just, uh, <laughs> I have Will oh, Fuller. Come on, I'm <laughs> talking football, Christ. I have Will Fuller. Yeah. You have played Chase Claypool's yeah. listening helmet. That's true. He has McGregor. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great looking <laughs> prospect, and practice, I would love for him to be. There was a question, what would constitute a good spring practice for Notre Dame? And I said, well, if you can get Jordan Johnson, Chris Tyree, uh, and A.J. Henning to commit, then... Then that would be a good spring ball for Notre Dame. They're one for three so far. And Jordan Johnson is a—I mean, that's a—that's a difference maker. That's a guy that's listed number thirty-four, I think, comp. So I mean, he's—I don't—you know—I don't know that I'd put him in the five-star category, but I put him at four and three quarters. Yeah, that's good too. Four and <laughs> a half, four three quarters. Jim Booty, CRS. I think one of the most important parts of the linebackers is having an unmistakable leader in the unit, dating back to Teo, Jalen Smith, Anawalu, Calabrese, Tranquil, and Coney have emerged as physical, emotional leaders. In 2019, who do you think will fill the leader role of the linebackers? I don't think that they're going to have one this That's year. That's why I asked the question. I, didn't have I mean, I, let, I think from a personality perspective, um, you know, Shane Simon, Jack Lamb are really good personalities, um, but they haven't played on a football to lead. Yeah, it's a real. I think it's a it's a really good question. I, I you know, I'm, I don't think that Asmar Bilal, Asmar Bilal needs to be a quality Mike linebacker. I don't think that that's, I mean, that whole, uh, you know, leadership mantle. It's, a, I mean, it's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I, good Jen Mar- I mean, I think, mean, I think Jen Markeith has some, is, is a very mature kid and has leadership qualities, but I mean, he's trying, he's still trying to win a job, even a part-time job. So it's, it's, it's a legit question because I don't know that there is an answer to it. Well, Gilman and Elliot are both team leaders and possible captains at safety, so that's where it's coming from in the back. In the back, yeah, side. that's yeah. a good point. I, there, I mean, it's, I don't know the last time they've had two personalities like that at the back of the defense. Um, that that I think will offset this linebacker. I agree. It, yeah. it, it was so. I mean, Saturday. I mean, Gilman shows up and starts hitting people, and the whole tone of everything just changes. Yes, he's he's not even involved in eleven on eleven. Right, he's in there one on one. All of a sudden, you're like, he's going to hurt half of their players. Yeah, you know, and there's he just that, goes full bore. I mean, he which is you're supposed to. It's a well, full, and it's he's a full ta- bore and drill, he's, and he's talking and taunting yeah. the whole damn time too. I mean, he called. And, yeah. yeah, he called out Kevin Austin for a what was that like a blocking it was drill? A blocking but, drill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are those are your leaders, and I and I get it. You wanted a linebacker too, but it just that's just really not what the the situation is. I love Alohi Gilman. Watching him play <laughs> the way he approaches football, it's great. Yes, they need they need more of that. Um, question: I like this question. I had this late from at Ben Blockledge. A weak point of Clemson last year, if there was one, was their linebackers. Obviously, the rest of the team was elite. What are your thoughts on how the defense can perform with the developing linebacker positions, and is it uh, rational to have playoff or ten win season hopes? And I get where he's coming from that if you have a if you have a great defensive line in front of you, it makes your linebackers better. Now, Notre Dame's defensive tackles aren't going to be like Clemson's defensive tackles, but I, the point's taken. Yeah, I think if you had Tillery and it in front of along with Aquara and Kareem, then I would think I don't care who's playing linebacker. But first, Clemson had a uh, All ACC linebacker and another guy that was honorable mention All ACC. Yeah, they were not. No, they weren't. No, that was comparative to the rest right, of their defense. That was that was they were not as that good was a out, part yeah. of Clemson's defense along with the safeties where Notre Dame said, "We, if we're going to take advantage of anything, it's going to be here." It didn't. I mean, ten <laughs> it didn't, season. It didn't work that way. Ten win part, season is definitely realistic. Vegas put it at nine point five. Yes, as realistic as it gets. Yeah, I think I think our talk about nine and three has kind of been blown up. But we're not. Nobody's. I first of all, I'm predicting nothing until I look at the opponents. Right. And I, 
we're in spring practice. I can't. I mean, I could pretend like I know what Notre Dame's opponents have, but I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. All three of us said nine. And then the very next podcast, or the next, maybe the same podcast, somebody asked, what if Dracovic was the quarterback? We all went down to eight, and I think people have turned those answers into seven-win seasons for Notre Dame, because none of us said ten wins immediately. That, yeah. I think they lost a ton of great players. Don't you know, get back on that. Do they, I guess the way I would describe it is, do I think Notre Dame has a ten-win defense? No. But they might have an eleven-win offense. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. a good point. And they definitely have an eleven-win defensive Ends and safeties; mm-hmm. those guys can can make you win games. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, defensive ends, man. I mean, they can they can make, make up, up for, for a lot of shortcomings. There's no doubt about that. At Greg twenty one twenty six, is the offensive line good enough to raise the level of the running backs this season? I felt like the opposite happened last season with Dexter Williams, which I also think is a good comment. I agree with what he's saying, Greg twenty one twenty six. I think Dexter Williams is breakaway. Ability and yardage, and Pete's going to echo this because of the run efficiency, belies what really happened on the offensive line in the running game last year. Yeah, he was not great but uh, in few... terms of the rush efficiency numbers. Um, and that's partly line. Yeah, so, certainly. I mean, yes. that's, why that, that's why I like that stat is because yep. it tells you a little bit just like how your your run game is operating as a whole. Yeah, as yes. to just, like, well, your, stuff, your stuff stats were, yeah, they, were kind of like elevated. Times. Yeah, the stuffs were way up last yeah. year, for, especially for a guy that... Looked spectacular. At times. Yeah. He 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 masked running game problems with eight really long runs and six of them extremely well timed. Dexter Williams. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they had a lot of problems. So the question is, will the offensive line be good enough to raise the level of the running backs this season? And I would like to think so. I don't know that we've seen enough in spring to say that. But is Eichenberg going to be better? Yes. Is Banks going to be? I think Banks is going to be really really good. Plus, he was a first time half year starter last year. He will definitely be better. Yeah. Than no, that. Yeah. Um, I I mean I think I think I think Banks is the best uh, NFL prospect along the offensive line. If Tom, if what we've seen from Tommy Kramer is any indication, he certainly is going to be better. And Hainsey was the highest rated, graded I should say, uh, offensive lineman last year, and he's basically been a two year starter. I have a hard time evaluating this just off spring practice because um, I don't know where. If, no, I agree did, with did that. Did a linebacker misfit something? Because right. I think there were three straight run plays that we watched yesterday that the running back got to the third level. And I'd, I'd like to think that the offensive line has a lot to do with that. But I also think probably the linebacker. But you're not sure. To do with I get too. it. Yep. It's hard to say. I would. It's logical to think these guys would be better, though. The offensive line is a yeah. lot. Yeah. They just, For sure. Not Jay Tafel one. Which player or players this spring hasn't stepped up as much as he thought he would? Um, I want to answer this, but I also want to talk about the flip side of guys that have mm-hmm. stepped up more than Shane Simon would be at the top of that list, certainly. Um, yeah, because we never heard any back channel things about Shane Simon before spring that weren't uh, no. positive. Uh, based upon the performance that we have evaluated, I would say Houston Griffith. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I. Th- Thought maybe Jen Markeith would would emerge there, knowing that they really like Jack Lamb though. Uh, but I think Simon and Griffith are, you know, Bo, I mean, Bo Bauer. I I think we're less high on Bo Bauer. You know, I, I no, I agree. I, I agree. But he is when you watch. I mean, you watch linebacker drills. That is one. That's a hard hitting dude. You know, and I, and I realize that his, his his maybe his window of opportunity is closing pretty quickly on him. Uh, but he hasn't made a move. That's why I throw I throw that name out there. I thought that Derek Allen would move from just like a guy they didn't know what he was to like 
a reliable, we can put him in a game. I'm not sure that really happened. I don't um, think it has. You know, Jerkovic is just sort of a harder read right now because like we're we really pick apart every single thing that happens with him. I think we thought he was number you know, two, and he's easily number two. Has he also, made? Has not, he made? But it's like I I wanted him to make the move that Al, that I thought Allen needed to make from a guy that is a backup because somebody has to be number two to a reliable number two, and I think he's certainly a lot closer to that move than Al is. Um, I'm not sure if he's all the way there, but I, I, that's just something that already needs to happen. You, in fact, said to start spring practice, I want to see Phil Dracovic go throw against the ones and twos mm-hmm. in live action. Yeah, and that, so that was, there was still intrigue at that point. Yeah. Um, there, still there, still is. Is, there still is intrigue, but I mean, there was no there was no movement from two. Um, I really can't disagree with any of those players, because yeah. some other guy, I mean, we knew there was a Kevin Austin issue of some type, not to the extent that it would linger all spring. So, otherwise, Kevin Austin would, would be on that list, obviously, but that we got the hint of that before. Before yeah, but I mean, ball, I, I, I thought he would Austin. be clearly number four. He's not oh. even mentioned to be a starter against Michael Young, though. It's not even a. It's not. It's. It's not. It's not in the run. It's well, not there possible. may be. There may be other reasons. That's for that. true, but uh, Michael Young has had a great. Michael spring. Young's one of the Michael reasons there. Don't yeah. you think? He's no, had a nice spring. No doubt about it. But I think there there are. Uh, I think there are other reasons why Kevin Austin may not be the clear number four either. Yeah, and it may valid. spill into yeah. September. Yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, you said you wanted to say guys that were guys that were uh, on the flip side. Usu Koromoa, Usu Koromoa, absolutely. Lacey, because Lacey had his best practice that I saw exactly when I said he wouldn't in Monday Musings. Practice twelve on a football Saturday when he's supposed to be completely exhausted going to Notre Dame Stadium. Twelve practices in for that guy. He he had a great. He was the only guy I was watching. Like this guy is still going. His motor yeah. is is tremendous. Uh, I mean, I could. Michael Young has had a really, really, a, a, a great spring. A great I would say spring, a great spring. Yeah. The young receivers have had very good springs. Tony Jones is a different-looking player. Brock Wright is a different-looking player. Jack Lamb is has been really good. I mean, he's done, he's made the move that the coaching staff hoped that he would make. Ogan Deji and Dalen Hayes. Uh, Paul Moala? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had no Paul, hopes Paul for Paul Moala, absolutely. At one point in the spring, we were like, yeah, Paul Moala might be a starter. At linebacker. <laughs> what? No. no, definitely not. Uh, t- uh, Tommy Tremble. Uh, George Takis the last two weeks. Yeah, we don't ever talk about Takis because Tremble is so much more fun. Well, I, that's why I included him in the list of of top redshirt freshmen. Because, and I wouldn't. we certainly wouldn't have done that a couple weeks ago because he was dropping a lot of passes. And that's true. He actually had a bad practice and a half in a row. We're like, oh, they're going to fall too far behind. Right, right, right. Um, so... I mean the pleasant surprises far outweigh, and I don't, you know, I mean I don't, I don't think we're like stretching to to name those guys. Yeah, I, there's more. Lawrence Keys is well. I said young oh, receivers, oh, but receivers. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're 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 fun to watch. Man. Yeah, it's the whole Brock. We had a whole podcast dedicated to Brock Wright. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't been quite. As, it hasn't been the same thing since. But how much do we talk about Brock Wright? Uh, he looked like a different. Per- you said, "Who are you? And what have you done, I Brock Wright?" Yeah, I said it to him. <laughs> <laughs> who, who stole your jersey and was running around yeah. number 89 today? Terry Benedict, to wrap it up. Uh, going off topic, I do think starting now through August, we should have an off topic each time for listeners. Well, we try to, we try to uh, give something a little bit. We had women's basketball. We ended the other day. We tried to do something a little bit different to end, and this one's certainly different. Terry Benedict, if you weren't covering Notre Dame athletics, you would be dot, dot, dot. What would I be doing? <laughs> 
You know, I, I think I would still be in sports media. I just would be covering something else. Um, you know, before I started at Blue and Gold Illustrated a long, long time ago, uh, I was working for a newspaper outside Chicago covering high school stuff and college sports um, and helping out here and there. So I, I think I would still be in sports media. I think for, for me, covering Notre Dame was more of a chance thing. Um, being, in media, being in sports media was more intentional. Harder for you, Tim, perhaps, than this one. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I would probably be a sports writer, yeah. but if I weren't a sports writer, I, I would like to think I'd be a college baseball coach. Ah, but I don't, I don't. I mean, that was never like a real burning desire. It was something that I, that I challenged myself with later after having been around. I mean, Lou Holtz was a huge inspiration to me to be a, a coach. Uh, I, didn't have the, I didn't have the football background, so it would be baseball. Yeah, I would be in sports media as well, um, or be a high school basketball coach, I think. Because I can't say college basketball so, coach, because I never coach high school basketball. Three so. jocks sitting around a but, microphone, well, can't do well, anything other than talk other, sports. Well, and, here's my real answer. I have but, no athletic ability, yeah, personally. Here's so my real answer for this, though. I, lo- I would love coaching basketball, um, which is why I couldn't watch Notre Dame play basketball this year, man. Um, <laughs> so, uh, normally they're fun, but this year is a different front to my senses. I would actually love, would actually have probably, if not for the insane hours, I mean, you think we have weird hours at times, I would actually like to have been a chef. I really like cooking and doing all that stuff right. since you brought it up. Right. But the hours of a chef. What's are, up you're in not a home at night, so it's like, I like bartending. Like, yeah, you know, think, usually those things work too. Let's do so this. let's just open one up. We'll call it <laughs> Irish Illustrated Restaurant and we'll get all the people to come in. Or uh, as long as Nordy is good at football, yeah. there's. Just... I yeah. Well, see. What I'm, do you want to do with your? Oh, I'm just a, I'm just a jock sports writer. So I, you know, my, you get to talk to people. You options, come to the bar and talk. <laughs> my options were limited right from the very beginning. So all right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll be back on Friday, April twelfth, to preview the blue gold game. We're going to talk about individuals. We're not going to talk about who's going to win or the scoring system. I am not even because going to nobody reveal can, the scoring system reform. I don't even. I don't want somewhere else. I don't yes. want to know the scoring system because it doesn't matter. Um, and much of what we've seen in practice is going to carry more weight than what we see in the blue gold game. Although, when you have fans there and it's broadcast, then you know. I mean. It's going to be interpreted the way it's going to be interpreted. So, um, anyway, we appreciate you joining us today. We'll be back on Friday for another podcast. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.